Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Hello, welcome back to Camp Half Pod. We are your head counselors. I'm Erin, daughter of Athena. And I'm Manasa, daughter of Persephone. This week we're talking about chapters 9 through 12 of The Hidden Oracle. I was kind of like, oh, now I'm kind of seeing after this episode or these sets of chapters what the story might be shaping up to be. Like, mm-hmm. it, you know, it's usually formulaic. They get to camp, yeah. they're kind of given a task, and then they're going to go do it. And you think yes. that the title, The Hidden Oracle, would have made me go, like, they're <laughs> going to go to Greece and they're going to try to find the oracle. But I had no thoughts, so... Mm. now i have thoughts so you have thoughts now congratulations i do thank you it's actually very scary and dangerous for me to have thoughts yeah but it took, what 26 it years to develop them yes i actually <laughs> only have one thought and it's mm. okay but that's it oh wow mm. that's a really complex one thank like you. what does it mean uh, i'm not i don't have thoughts to actually be able to decipher that thought okay okay that requires Sorry. extra thoughts I'm sorry for asking. Was, you should be. It's a sore point. It's triggering. <laughs> but oh, I thought man. these were actually pretty fun. I think because we're like at Camp Half-Blood. So it's like all these familiar faces besides Percy. We already had Percy's face. Our favorite face. Our favorite face. It also is kind of... This is how I wanted a little bit Jason to be when he mm. doesn't really have an idea of who he is or what's going on, but he still has a personality. Yes. Like, Apollo has quite a personality. <laughs> yeah, and it's quite entertaining. He loves using similes and their most ridiculous metaphors, but he just, just reminds me of just the most flamboyant, like, college guy I have ever met. Yeah. Yeah. I love the moments when he's like, complimenting someone and then he like ends it with being like almost as good as me and it's like the highest compliment that he can think of yeah iconic Mm -hmm. well i mean to summarize what we're going to talk about in this episode we get ourselves to camp obviously it's not easy we run into some unexplained terrors on the way and we see what kind of horrors await apollo at camp Mm -hmm. indeed indeed All right, I've got chapters 9 and 10. So chapter 9, our little haiku is A walk through the woods, voices driving me bonkers, I hate spaghetti. I love the word bonkers. That's one of my favorite, like, replacements for crazy. Bonkers, bananas, those are good ones. It feels like something that either was made in the 50s or a child would say. Isn't it British? Isn't bonkers British? Like I said, 50s. Or a child. Right <laughs> uh, can you? T- it is. It's an informal British slang. Bonkers. Oh, yeah. origin nineteen forty. So ah, nice. It peaked in popularity around uh, like it looks like like twenty seventeen. <laughs> so <laughs> might be. That's why? why these what books were the written. Trigger. Oh, I don't know. It like this... really jumped up in popularity. There's like a graph of it. <laughs> Someone <This> particular... says. <laughs> 
oh, apparently it's oppressive and derogatory to say bonkers. <laughs> bonkers derogatory. I thought it was a replace, like a better version of say. I'm not even gonna go down this rabbit hole. That's no, too much for my I brain think to there's a lot right of uh, words that are oppressive. Yeah. derogatory because they've been around for so long they've been mm-hmm. assigned to very negative connotations yeah. as a non-british person i don't know much about the word bonkers except i think they said it in harry potter oh yeah yeah anyways yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so megan apollo and also the little peaches the carpo peaches who i love begin their trek to Camp Half-Blood, but to get there, they have to travel through the woods, which, as Meg recalls hearing from Percy, they are full of wild and enchanted stuff. Mm. Apollo says, you know, the woods that Chiron frequently sends his campers into. (laughs) To play war games. Yeah, Yeah, I think I'm going to be insulting Chiron a lot, but I also am going to be complimenting him a little bit in these chapters, so he makes quite... Anyway, he just sends these children out to die all the time. Constantly. Favorite pastime of his. Yeah. Apollo says that the woods can't be that bad, and they head on towards camp, but of course the woods are that bad, because as soon as they enter the shadows, the trees start to crowd them, and the roots create obstacles, which he says is like walking across a giant bowl of spaghetti. There's that spaghetti in Mm. in the haiku. I always... Like, the haiku will sometimes mention something so small that I normally wouldn't include in the summary. But then I'm like, I gotta, what about the people? They're like, where's the spaghetti? Explain the haiku, yeah. Where's the spaghetti, Apollo? But, um, yeah, he just doesn't, he's not a fan of the woods, also. Um, at first, it's like, oh, yeah, he's like a sun god. His The woods are his sister's thing. He likes to be where the sun touches. But he says it's also because it reminds him of a dryad he knew, this mysterious love interest that he hasn't named yet. And it reminds him of how he's responsible for what happened to her. And then he won't say anything else. He's very dramatic about this. They hike for hours because the roots keep misdirecting them. And Meg asks Peaches if he can help guide them because Apollo is being no help but peaches who has been like muttering to himself this whole time sniffs mm-hmm. the air and then promptly disappears in a swirl of leaves really like peaches peaches mm. is growing on me i don't remember having like a strong opinion of peaches the first time but i think i really appreciate peaches he's the kind of creature that i think you would attach yourself to i yeah 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 i feel like peanut was a lot like peaches yes <laughs> <laughs> He Doesn't he wear like a diaper? You. Does he wear like a little diaper? Isn't that? Am I, I think so. Up? He has like yeah. a little underwear thing on. Yeah. Oh, that's so cute. Mm-hmm. Peaches is also a good name for a dog. It is a really good name for a dog. Yeah. Then a loud voice reverberates in Apollo's head and says his name and then says, find me. Meg can't hear any of this and thinks Apollo is going crazy. And Apollo falls to his knees and collapses and he hears the voice say, the fall of the sun, the final verse. So it's kind of like giving a little prophecy here. While Meg tries to help Apollo, the voice says, the fires will consume me, make haste. And then steam begins to rise from Apollo's clothes and he can smell the volcanic fumes of Delphi. So clearly it's some kind of prophecy. Prophecy stuff is going on. Hmm. Meg somehow keeps Apollo walking in his weak state until finally he makes it to camp, basically delirious, and announces, Hi, I'm Apollo, and then passes out in front of everyone. Classic. I know. What an entrance. So chapter 10. 
My bus is in flames. My son is older than me. Please, Zeus, make it stop. Apollo gets a demigod dream, which I was like, he's not a demigod, so it's an ex-god dream for him. Mm. A mortal, but it's not like a mortal dream. It's no, it's people catered come visit specifically. Him. Yeah, if it was a mortal dream, it would just be like, he's can't find where his classes are or something. Say it's a vessel dream. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, it's a vessel for messages. Mm. He dreams that he's driving his sun chariot, which is like a bus slash Maserati. It transforms. And then a woman dressed like a Libyan queen appears in his passenger seat and tells him that he needs to hurry. He thinks he knows who she is, but he can't quite place it. Also, she's like a hippie. Like she keeps saying like man and dude and kind of like she gives off. She's wearing like a peace sign necklace. She tells him to follow the voices and find the gates, and then she bursts into flames, and behind Apollo, a man in a suit is lounging behind him in the back seat of the bus, which Apollo says is where all the troublemakers sit. <laughs> and he says, by all means, follow the gates, Apo- or find the gates. Apollo asks who this man is, and the man says, my own forefather doesn't recognize me, and laughs, and then tells Apollo to find the gates and lead him to the oracle so that he can burn the oracle down. Then the whole sun chariot bursts into flames and Apollo wakes up. Ooh, villain. We villain. Have a villain. Our, our, our guardian woman, I think, and our mm. villain. Mm. No yeah, who idea. do you think these are? I have no idea. He's I'm not going to lie, I don't remember specific. Like, I don't remember who. I think I know who the man is. I don't really remember who the woman is. Well, so I think the woman is a guardian the guardian that they mentioned, but that doesn't also Ooh. make a lot of sense. It's mm-hmm. like, I predicted originally the guardian was evil. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So she's definitely a goddess and she's one of the 12, mm-hmm. but I don't know who she would be. And then um, this is definitely one of Apollo's demigod children who mm-hmm. is like mm-hmm. angry about a lot of things Apollo has done. So, yeah. One of someone the famous with daddy demigods. issues. Yeah, it usually is. It always is someone with daddy issues. His own version of Luke. Mm-hmm. Apollo wakes up, and of course, the only medical professional at camp is taking care of him, which is a 16-year-old child, Will. <laughs> it's Will Solis, Apollo's he's in own scrubs, son. too, so you very much like he's assigned this job. And I just love, like, in these chapters, we kind of meet Apollo's other children. He only has a few. And none of them, except Will, are the med- medicinal children. So it's just Will. Yep. Poor child. Yeah, that's why he's like drawn to Nico. He's like, at yeah. least if they die, I don't have to take care of them anymore. <laughs> yeah. He's like, this one can handle death. We're good. Yeah. It turns out that Will had tried to heal Apollo, but wasn't totally sure what was wrong. Apollo has been recovering quickly, like at the pace of a demigod or even more than that at the pace of a powerful demigod but his vital signs all read human it's kind of like what does that mean like how can will tell he says that he gives him nectar and it just like uh, yeah burst made him like the cook from the inside a little bit yeah i just wonder if it's like do demigods have a quicker pulse or something (laughs) are they just pretty is it because apollo's not very attractive right now (laughs) He's like, immediate, you're mortal. Yeah, you're ugly. Will at least has a sense of humor about the situation. He, his dad is injured and 
even with Will's powers, which he got from his dad, he can't figure out what is wrong, which is kind of ironic. Will then warns Apollo that everyone at camp has been asking questions about whether or not Apollo's mortal situation has to do with what's going on at camp. But before we get to learn about what's been going on at camp, the door opens and two more of Apollo's spawns step in. Here we meet Austin, who is a musician child, he's the musical one, and Kayla, who is the archery child. And we learn that in like, just because, because Apollo's powers are gone and Kayla's like, oh my gosh, am I not going to be able to go to the Olympics? Am I going to lose my powers? And Austin's like, my career is just starting. Like My YouTube <laughs> is popping off. What am I supposed to do? And they came to see if Apollo's really stuck as immortal and if it'll affect them. Apollo says it shouldn't. Like, this has happened before. It doesn't affect his children. It's just him. It's a him problem. Will then sends off Kayla and Austin to go get Chiron and give Apollo some space. I was like, Will is so good. Like, his dad is not that great. He has not been a good presence in his life and Will's still taking care of him and is like, very intuitive for the fact that Apollo is very, like, ill and overwhelmed and is like, why don't you two go do something else? And Very I emotionally intelligent child. I think I want to adopt Will. I'm going to disown Nico and adopt <laughs> Will instead. <laughs> They're a package deal, actually. Yeah, that's Buy very one, true. Buy one, get free. <laughs> yeah, which one's the free one? <laughs> Up to debate. Yeah. And so Will takes Apollo outside to get some fresh air. Outside, they find Meg, who, when asked how she managed to get Apollo out of the woods by herself, she says, I don't know, luck. Mm -hmm. And also Meg is like, they greet each other very much. Like, she's just like, you still look gross. And he's like, thanks, you too. And she's like, you almost died. And he's like, thanks, I guess, for saving me. And they clearly kind of hate each other, but clearly there's like some bonding that went on. There goes my washing machine. We interrupt this episode of Camp Half Pod to bring you Washing Machine Talk by Aaron and Monica. Do you hear that? Isn't it loud? Yeah, is that's a long buzzer. There's no button to turn it off because it's very old. It works really well. It's way better than the one at my apartment, but like, yeah, it's so there's no button. It's really annoying. It might go off again. It usually gives like a warning and then it goes off again. It's very annoying. Till I tell you it's done. Yeah, it gives like a three minute warning of like, it's almost done and screams at me. <laughs> the three minute warning is odd though. Like It's <laughs> odd. I don't know get how to Get your basket ready. <laughs> yeah, get ready. I'm like waiting outside of it. <laughs> anyway, the three of them head out to go meet Chiron. Nico awaits them by the big house in his black leather jacket, to which I was like, he needs- there it goes again. See, <laughs> this one's like really long. Oh my god! Isn't that- and I'm not near it, it's on the other, the full other side. Did the dogs get very scared? No, went, they okay, did like good. the first few times, but now yeah. they just like, don't seem to be bothered by it. That's so. good. Yeah. When Linguini was staying with us, he was terrified of the dryer. Aww. He did That's not like so it. That's so cute. Yeah. Oh, baby. Um, what to do? Nico awaits them by the big house in his black leather jacket, to which I was like, he needs to get a new outfit. He's wearing that in all of the, like, official art. Yeah, it's and his it's only very... look. That and the cape. Yeah, he needs to change it up, move on to something new. Spandex. Feeling... <laughs> black leather spandex. That's the next step. I have a feeling Will is like, I will only allow the black of the jacket because I have to get you to throw away the cape. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was a compromise. <laughs> it yeah. Was a compromise. <laughs> it was like, you can't wear that. This is why no one likes you, Nico. <laughs> Nico's like, no, they don't like me because I'm a child of Hades. Yeah. My it's darkness. Like, None of us care. We all have <laughs> shitty parents. <laughs> So Nico agrees Apollo by affirming that he's mortal by saying that he has an aura of death around him. Nice. Which I loved. I want to greet people like that now. <laughs> but Will tells Nico he needs to work on his people skills. And I was like, does he? I kind of like that. Mm. And then he introduces Nico as his boyfriend. Which oh. is, we're like, oh, they did get together between the last series and this one. Which is a term we learn that Nico does not like, and Will corrects it as his significant annoyance. <laughs> That's cute. Really good. That's so cute. And then Chiron steps out in a really dramatic fashion. I was kind of obsessed with his entrance there. I feel like we haven't seen a good Chiron entrance in a minute. Will and Nico are bickering, and Meg's like, you guys argue a lot. I thought we were going to see a centaur. And then <laughs> Zaddy Chiron says, here I am. And he trots out in his brown wool jacket, also, it mentions that he's a white stallion, which I think we discussed in the first book, but mm-hmm. I still was not picturing him that way. Like, as a he glistening was... white stallion. Ooh, no. You're like, this is a man of color. <laughs> <laughs> the actor is. I yeah. wonder what they're going to do, because I feel like it would look really weird. <laughs> I mean, mine look nice. Who knows? Yeah, I but also, see it. Like, I'm imagining this act, like... Chiron shirtless because you know it's like centaur in Same. the woods but I'm like this is an older man he's supposed to be camp counselor we would he's hope supposed to be clothed it yeah, says he's clothed. clothed yeah but like the actor who's playing him is nice looking they might as well <laughs> make, take the shirt off Chiron like Percy's <laughs> already tr- so traumatized because his mom is dead and like he's like <laughs> found out he might be a demigod and Chiron's just shirtless Everyone's going to come running back to me when they see how nice this this man looks as Chiron in the show. They're going to be like, you were right, Eric. <laughs> I don't think anyone's arguing with you. No, they're just all, like, alarmed. <laughs> they're just letting it happen. They're like, you do your own thing there. <laughs> um... And so also I think Apollo is attracted to Chiron because he spends like a whole paragraph describing Chiron's appearance. He didn't he do that for anyone else. Talk about Nico. Like we have no idea what Nico looked like. It's just yeah. a kid in a leather jacket. Everybody else yeah. got even Percy got like a good description and it's like yeah. his sea green eyes, his mm. tan, you know, like he's like a little attracted to Percy too, because who's not? Who's Nico not? is like a shapeless blob with clothes on. He's like, there's this weird death kid over there who needs to wash his jacket. <laughs> um, Chiron then says that they need to talk about the disappearances and then the chapter ends. So, from my notes. Apollo does mention that when they're like coming to camp up on a hill and they can see it in the distance, they can see the Athena Parthenos still on display. And I was like, that's cool, like an over an overlap from the last book. And also I was thinking they can literally never take it down. Athena would smite them oh, yeah. if they moved it even a little bit. Um, it's also mentioned that Meg, when Apollo wakes up, Will mentions that Meg's already like attacked to like she like poked Connor's stole and kicked another kid in the crotch. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh. I love that Meg unattended is attacking children. A proper feral child. She's great. Mm. 
Also, Apollo, this quote made me laugh. He says, it warmed my heart that my children had the right priorities, their skills, their images, and their views on YouTube. It's like, Mm -hmm. what? A parenting king. And then Apollo, lastly, he mentions that the camp is really sparsely populated, and he was expecting that because it's not summertime, but it's even less people than he thought. He says he sees maybe like 12 people total. I was like, because everyone died. But that was one thing I, like we thought the last books kind of gloss over. Like they just mentioned that there's casualties. I guess they're all numb to it. Or maybe Rick was like, I just want to write this Apollo series. This idea is more fun to me. But they're really like um, focusing, like Apollo really notices just the the kind of toll the last war took on the camp. Also the fact that in the first war, they actually got a lot more kids because they expanded the camp to include yeah. more minor gods and stuff. They so made they up probably for... didn't notice the death, the, the children dying. But yeah. this one, they probably lost a good couple kids because they were like, actually, I want to join the Roman camp. They have universal health care. That's <laughs> not Will. So they can get jobs. Like, can go you go to college? Will? The one child, he must be so traumatized by everyone Mm. dying. And Chiron's just, like, sitting there twiddling his fingers in the big house. Like, I was like, he has medical training. Like, that's part of, in, like, the myths, part of his training of heroes. Like, he trained them about, I don't know, at least, like, nectar and ambrosia and stuff and wounds. He's supposed to be medically knowledgeable. Yeah, totally. He could be helping. And he's not. He is complicit. <laughs> he may actually... look nice in his jacket, but he's <laughs> complicit. This is actually a hate campaign now towards Chiron. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've got chapters 11 through 12, and we're going to touch on the empty camp a little bit more. So chapter 11 is check your spam folder. The prophecies might be there. No? Well, I'm stumped. Bye. Okay. So Meg meets Chiron for the first time. The three decide to sit in the big house and catch up. Chiron has new legs now because before he used to fold himself into his wheelchair, but now he has like legs he can fold into. But they're obviously supposed to have like slacks and loafers on, but the new pranksters, not Connor Stoll and his brother, because his brother has gone off to college, have dressed these legs up in fishnet stockings and red heels for Rocky Horror, which is a classic. Oh, you know what I thought of? Hmm. Patrick. <laughs> this, but Patrick wears boots. He doesn't wear heels. Oh, he wears the black boots. Yes. You're right. You gotta, gotta keep stockings. the details. I know I'm not, I know we got a comment on one of our posts for this season and someone was like, okay, you had Spongebob season one, Trek season, I can't regress into the Spongebob references. We have, oh, have someone new. Some, something new. Yeah. Oh, man. Find something else first. What is, like, a common childhood thing that we can... Glee! (laughs) (laughs) This is Mr. Schuster. Stop. (laughs) Does Mr. Schuster wear fishnets? I don't know. I don't remember Glee that well. (laughs) I just know that I tried to rewatch it as an adult. And I couldn't get through episode one because I was like, Mr. Schuster is like a child in danger. He's like planting weed in these children's lockers to get them to join a singing club. This is Chiron. <laughs> that honestly, yeah, Mr. Yeah. Schuster's Chiron. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, 
Will and Nico say goodbye and they head back towards the cabins to call everyone for lunch in about an hour and give, you know, Chiron and the crew a bit of chance to catch up. As they go, Apollo gives us his thoughts on gay rights. He's like, (laughs) oh, you're probably wondering what I think about my uh, son's boyfriend. Well, I don't love the the death vibe. And he's like, oh, sorry. Did you think I was going to be a hater about gay people? (laughs) I was like. This is the worst inner so dialogue. Cringy. It's so but cringy. then he's like, I've had like, I think he's had like, he counts twenty female lovers and like eleven male lovers. So he's mm. like, I'm a bi king. Don't even yeah. question it. He also mentions the two great loves of his life. He's like alluded to Hyacinthus for a bit, but now he actually names Daphne, who is the um, dryad that somehow died. Which I was like, at first I wrote um, Delphi and I was like, he dated the dolphin. And then I realized it said Daphne. I was like, oh, from Scooby Doo. Delphi? Delphi is the oracle. What was, what's the, the, the dolphin constellation? Oh, I don't know. Is it also called Delphi? Dolphin constellation. You know, I oh. made it for you for your birthday and I can't. Yeah. I well, cannot didn't remember. I make that up? You made that was a specific... my constellation. It's called Delphinus. Delphinus. Okay, I know that there's a dolphin constellation. I think. Yeah, I wonder. It's if just it's isn't reading feminist to... literature. Was Delphi a dolphin girl? She must have been Delphi. Delphinus. She must have been. That's her constellation. She oh, copied then for me. sure. No, it's not her constellation. Oh. I'm just accusing her oh. with no knowledge. <laughs> It is this not being able to look up the myths is making me feel a little crazy. I mean, I, I, I this is a rule I put on myself. Okay, so Delphinus this is gonna be- constellation. We're gonna learn about this for a second. Okay, it is. It means dolphin in Latin. In Greek mythology, the constellation represents the dolphin sent by Poseidon to find Amphitrite, who he married. It is associated with the story of Orion, not Orion, Orion. The Greek poet and musician whose life was saved by dolphins at sea. Oh, it has nothing to do with Delphi. But in my heart, Delphi's a dolphin girl. I thought this was like going to be a big reveal where you had been waiting for. Where it ends up being that <laughs> Apollo's big love interest is a dolphin. It's a dolphin. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? That'd be so fun. Well, I was like, oh, Daphne from Scooby-Doo has now entered the chat. So basically, yeah. Daphne is the one that he hasn't been talking about and that he's been kind of thinking a lot about in the last couple chapters. He's also embarrassed by the fact that he's mentioned their names to, to the reader. I think he wanted to continue to keep us in the dark, but he moves on quickly. We learn from Chiron that there has been some strange happenings at camp. First, there has been no prophecies, which a refresher, this happened because... During the war with Gaia, Python returned to Delphi from Tartarus and essentially like rotted the root of the tree. All of the explanations are set again by uh, Chiron to Meg in plant analogy because mm. she does not understand it if it's like Apollo is just trying to explain it in a very like defensive way because he understands he's a bit in the wrong, but he's not going to take responsibility um, so the way that Chiron describes it is that Delphi, the island of Delphi, where the oracle is, even though the oracle is not there anymore because they've taken it and now it resides inside of Rachel because the island had been infected by having Python return, 
the the root was rotted so the branch can't work and so all prophecies have essentially stopped the second strange thing is the lack of communication they haven't heard from any other demigods outside of camp mr d has not returned since the war the satyrs who are out on missions are not checking in camp jupiter is not responding and they haven't gotten any new demigods they thought Jason's whole, like, I'm going to build more shrines and they're going to open even more cabins to have more demigods come in to honor the even more minor gods have been put on hold because there's nobody's showing up. Nobody's <laughs> signing up. And um, it's making Chiron a little nervous. Also, Iris messages aren't working and they can't use cell phones. So basically, camp is completely cut off from the world. Meg and Apollo are the first two demigods to enter camp in many months. When Meg mentions Percy, Chiron becomes hopeful that he's with them or that he's like planning to come back, but is disappointed clearly when he's not. Apollo's like, you should be honored that I'm here. Why would you care about <laughs> Percy? And it's like, Percy, like Will, is the only reason camp is running. Yeah. And when you say Percy, it's really Annabeth. <laughs> it's really Annabeth, yeah, because they go come together anyway. Yeah. Percy and Annabeth have been too busy with school to check in. any. And anyways, it's winter, so normally there's no one at camp anyway. So they have no reason to check in, and because there's no, even if they had, there's no communication to camp. The last and most troublesome news is that campers are going missing. There has been about three to four disappearances where they leave their bed in the middle of the night for no reason and are not heard of since. The first two Chirons, like, maybe they're just the troublemakers and they doesn't look for them. But the last one was the head counselor of Demeter. So Kyra knows she just wouldn't just get up and go without telling anybody. And also she's too powerful to be easily coerced by something that's not so powerful. So he's really worried. And this is how he responds by, you know, just twiddling his thumbs. Yeah. Apollo asks Chiron if he knows if these campers have been hearing voices. And he kind of low-key betrays the fact that the reason he passed out in the forest is he heard voices. Apollo hopes to have his powers back before dealing with Delphi and having his trials be like hanging out at camp for a year under the protection of the other demigods. But Meg and Chiron think that everything is connected and the Oracle is technically Apollo's responsibility. So they both want him to focus on fixing that. They leave Meg to entertain herself with Seymour. She's obsessed with the jaguar head on Chiron's wall. And Apollo and Chiron chat. They both are in awe of her powers. Apparently being able to summon a grain spirit hasn't been done for a long time. Apollo and Chiron kind of know what that probably means, but they don't enlighten us, the reader. This is a big thing because having a god as the narrator who has knows all of the myths by heart and has like life experience and all of that stuff would make it very easy to just solve our problems in the beginning of the book and have the reader in the know. <laughs> so he's just like, Oh, we'll just have Apollo be shy of the reader and telling the reader. <laughs> Chiron asks Apollo what he heard in the woods and decides that they will keep the campers out of the woods for the time being. It's essentially understood that Meg and Apollo will be going to Greece to defeat Python, though Apollo is aware that he had needed all of his godly powers the last time he had to defeat the snake monster. They decide to put a pin in the conversation and they move on to lunch. <clears throat> Chapter 12, Ode to a Hot Dog with Bug Juice and Tater Chips. I got nothing, man. Apollo sits with his children and Nico at his table. He eats hot dogs, tater tots, and bug juice. Okay, so I have to talk about this because I didn't go to any camps and I also didn't drink very sugary 
drinks as a child. Even now, like, my go-to drink is coffee or water. Like, I'm very boring in that way. <laughs> um, so I thought he was being told this red juice was, bug juice was a joke. And that they would come back around later and be like, ha, 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 it's actually tomato juice. But it's not. It's a thing. Did you know what bug juice was? I didn't. When I read this for the first time, Mike was like, you don't know what bug juice is? And I was like, uh, no. <laughs> I'd never heard of it. We interrupt this episode of Camp Hoth Pod to bring you bug juice talk with Aaron and Monica. It's like a raspberry drink that um, the kids used to drink, apparently. It's like a very sugary drink. And um, I was kind of dove into it because I was like, how have I never heard of this? And in 2016, it's been around for a long time, but in 2016, it was recalled because they found metal shavings in one of the factories where the juice was being made. And so I was like, that's that's exactly what we Americans would love to feed our children. That is very American, yeah. yeah. Is it, like, big and everywhere in the U.S.? Oh. I don't remember ever hearing of it. I wonder if it's, like, a certain area thing. Let's see. Bug juice drink. So they have an official website. It's not. It's called bug juice. It's not, like, a type of juice. It's, no. a, like, a product placement that he's doing right now. Huh. Okay, about us. Sorry, this is... So they've been supplying kids and moms with great tasting drinks for over 20 years. Just kids it's and kind moms. Of like, no dads. No dads. <laughs> so it's kind of like the Sunny D of juices. Oh. But oh, I there's was just, 13 I flavors. Ew. What, are, what are you made up of? What is your nutritional breakdown? I the found a Reddit punch. someone asking if it was popular where they grew up. But everyone's just quoting some theme song. I don't know. Where we can get a pack. We should like, sur- we'll 24. survey people if they heard of it. And if yes, they should tell us where they grew up. Okay, I don't understand that this website was clearly made in 2003. It has so much like <laughs> gradient and like it's bright blue background. And it's like using blue text on blue background. Oh, free gear offers. You want some free gear? No. If they sponsor us, I'll drink it. I'll drink that that lead water or whatever. <laughs> well, they they they're claiming it had it's a they're doing it as a precaution. It was a factory that had nothing to do with them, but they're still recalling all their drinks. This wasn't It does say I see that it's often served at summer camps. I didn't mm. really go to like tradition. I went to like sport camps. I but I didn't go, go to, to like sleepaway camps. camps. I was very privileged on having a parent who was home. So. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, definitely a big privilege show there. I didn't yeah. go to camp. Yeah. Why did they just Not a camp. Okay. But, so, it's very brightly colored. It's the, it's the kind of stuff that when I talk to my roommate, I'm like, what flavor is this? And they say blue, and that's like the flavor is blue. It's not like mm, a fruit. It's like Gatorade. Or, yeah. Like the blue Gatorade is just blue flavor. Anyway, so I dove deep into that because it was definitely not something that I had ever heard. And it's definitely from Rick's own experience, maybe sending his kids to camp. Yeah. Yeah. This is like, instead of mythology dives, we're doing a bug (laughs) juice dive. (laughs) 
Uh, I want people to let us know if they where they like grew up and where they drank bug juice. If you drink bug juice, like you had it in your house and you drank oh. it, please let us know because I'm very yeah. curious if it was just like easily to buy and like packs to give to kids as like a sugary juice beverage, or it was like I have this in my home. It's in my fridge. Pour it in a glass and have it with oh. dinner. And get metal poisoning. <laughs> mm, that's why we're all robots now. Yeah. Anyway, so Apollo asks Nico, going back to the story. What story? Bug <laughs> the juice. <bug> juice. <laughs> Apollo asks Nico why he's allowed to sit at the Apollo table. And Nico innocently explains that when he's alone, crazy stuff happens. Like zombies crawling out of the earth and spooky death mist. He's like, I had to get a note from my doctor. And so Chiron lets me sit here. We know that the doctor is Will. So they happen to sit next to each other. The two banter and flirt adorably, making Apollo a little melancholy for his past lovers. He's talked about those two specific lovers Mm -hmm. every single chapter since the start of this book. So if they're not relevant, I'm going to get real mad. (laughs) Apollo notes that in a camp that can hold about 400 to 500 kids, there are only 19 at the present moment. He asks after the seven and is given updates by Will and Nico. Percy and Annabeth are in school prepping for their final year before college. Jason and Piper are in LA visiting Piper's dad. Hazel and Frank have gone back to Camp Jupiter and has been little to no communication from them. And then we find out that they know Leo is like alive after dying, um, but they have no idea where he is now. Nico is especially angry about this. It's a mixture of him deeply caring for Leo and seeing him die and feeling him die, but also not being able to be someone who is on the out of the loop. Like, mm-hmm. he can't, he, does, he doesn't like not being able to know. And he's really annoyed that Leo was able to cheat death, and he wasn't <laughs> in the know about it. Like, he would have been totally fine if he had been involved. Mm-hmm. But he's real mad about it. He's, he keeps the letter that Leo sent saying that I'm alive in his pocket so he can look at it whenever he wants to be mad. So this little video letter is Leo saying he's alive, that he saved Calypso, and the rest just kind of statics out before he can tell them his plans. Apollo is interested in the fact that Leo is with Calypso. Apparently they have some kind of history. I don't remember reading about any history with Apollo, but um, Apollo views her as really powerful and like seductive sorceress. And he, he's like, oh, Calypso was the reason Odysseus was led astray, so maybe Leo is on this like incredible journey of 12 years on the water who knows which is a very different view than how she's been portrayed in these books as like Mm -hmm. a 16 year old girl who's been forgotten by the gods yeah the gods definitely made up their own narrative about her oh for sure but I also would love to find out in these books that like Leo also doesn't know the Calypso is like he obviously he knows that Calypso has magic a little mm-hmm. bit because like she had like little magical tables and servants in the island but it'd be really fun to find out that like she's just like super powerful like unimaginably yeah. powerful and leo's like i can make tinker toys yeah <laughs> so apollo then fills kayla austin will and nico in about what was discussed at the big house they show unwavering support for Apollo, who now has like a mortal heart and he's deeply moved. He's also deeply uncomfortable at the way he views them. He knows he looks at them, he knows they're his children, but he doesn't feel like he should be able to call himself a dad because he never stepped up, he wasn't there for him, and he doesn't feel like he has that right. And that's his mortal heart speaking. He's like, immortal heart's like, yeah, I'm their father. They should be grateful that I gave them these powers. But 
his mortal brain is making him feel things that he had never felt before. He doesn't have a lot of time to dwell on that because Chiron announces that there will be an obstacle course that will include a deadly three-legged race and they need to get prepared for it. Which I was like, your campers are dropping like flies. Why do you think it's a good idea to actively kill them? It's so funny. Like, I feel like if this was book one of like any Percy Jackson book, I would be like, what? But this is Chiron's pattern. The only yes. thing he can think of to bring up morale is the risk of death. <laughs> He's like, oh, it'll be fine. I'm sure if one of you dies, you can spare you. Back in the day, I'm sure he could spare them. There's like 400 kids at camp. Now there's 19. One of them's gone that like decreases the population by several percent. Mm-hmm. All right. So my notes, I have, I kind of went, besides the bug juice, I also went <laughs> off on the actual plot. <clears throat> So it is kind of like odd having like Apollo be the narrator Mm -hmm. because he mentions very casually Cassandra, Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. is also very yikes because of what he did to Cassandra and also her fate and how she ended up. He was like, Mm -hmm. oh, is it like Cassandra, my oracle, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, ooh, you can just like, you know, you know, keep her name out of your mouth. Like, how dare you? Yeah. And it's just like, I kept thinking, after he mentioned that, I kept thinking as he was talking to his kids and he's sitting at the table, I was like, when you have a god be mortal, the implications of his past, of like, you know, the raping, the assault, yeah. the all the, the horrible things that he's done, he's not shying away from it. So, like, Rick is like, yes, these are things that Apollo has done in the past. Yeah. But now he's Lester, so it's fine. <laughs> and also, it's like, keep it pg slash pg 13 kind of like we're not but when you're an adult or even you're young and you just know these myths you're like oh yikes yeah okay so i think i need to make some retract retractments on retractments i don't know yeah Yeah. sure let's retract previous statements um Mm. i think i got meg's godly parent wrong oh i was so sure with the peaches and stuff, but after the forest chapter, I was like, it's more of like the god of trees, specifically. Mm. The god of plants. So I was like, oh, is it Persephone? But she's specifically goddess of spring, but that's not like anything to do with peaches and fruits. I don't know. I think that there is a god of trees that I cannot remember right now, and I was like, maybe she's like secretly the child of Gaia. We just don't know. Like, Gaia's back, and this is going to be a whole thing. I'd be so mad. <laughs> you know, right? Um, so I was like, okay, so we know Daphne's a tree, but not a god. So my budding theory is that Meg is, like, the, like somehow the child of Daphne, mm. but, like, somehow the child of Daphne and Apollo. But I was like... Apollo clearly hasn't seen Daphne in the last 12 years. So maybe something that Rick would write, which I totally think he would do, is like, Daphne had the seed that she planted recently <laughs> to call for, I don't know, some she bullshit like that. She births a seed. That would make yeah. childbirth a lot easier if it was just like a seed. I mean, she is a plant, I think, yeah. according to little tidbits I have from this. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I also said thought that I'm really glad that Rick included Lester's invisible inhibitions or is he just be out here assaulting everyone on site? Yeah, yeah. Where he's like, he's too shy to talk to the dryads. He's like, 
getting really uncomfortable. He's embarrassed to flirt with them. He blushes when girls giggle around him. He's like having like normal bodily reactions to being uncomfortable in a situation like that. Whereas Apollo's brain is like, yes, get them all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought that was clever. It's good. If he's going to write this book for, you know, young adult, he's got to make it PG, PG-13. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I just thought it was, I kind of thought it was endearing. Like, as annoying as Apollo is, he thinks his kids are the best that have ever yeah. existed. Mm-hmm. And I know it's more of, like, narcissistic. It's about him. It's because they're his kids and he sees himself in them. It also allows him to be very patient with them. And it reminds me of all boy moms. <laughs> Where they're like, this is the best, like, this is my husband, but as someone I can keep and control forever, and then they, like, no one can love him as much as me kind of thing. Oh, God, is that why boy moms are, oh. Yes. Because it's their husband. It's their (gasps) husband, but they can control him, and they have complete, like, Freud's ghost is real strong when this happens, I'm telling you. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. But, um... When they are normally, like, the children are annoying and the other gods would be, like, if Zeus had, like, his kid talk back to them, he would be, like, how dare you? Like, I'm your father. Apollo's, like, and naturally they would talk back because they're just so brilliant. <laughs> like me. Like me, yeah. So it, it ends up allowing him to be really patient and understanding of them, but only them and no other child. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's how a lot of parents are, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, they only like their own kid. Yeah, because their kid is them. Yeah, which is... through their child. Which is, like, the the hyperfixation of, like, having biological children. It's like, well, I Mm. want it to look like me. And I was like, ooh, okay. Yeah. Like, if that's the reason to have... Like, I understand wanting to, like, experience pregnancy, I guess. Yeah. But not, like, when you're, like, oh, the one argument for, like, having children versus adopting is, like, it needs to look like me. That's, like, a little... Gross. Yikes. Why? You're not that pretty. (laughs) You want your kid to be ugly? (laughs) That's so sad. That's like actively (laughs) bullying them before they've been created. (laughs) Um, Yeah, those are my thoughts. I am actually now very confused on the plot. I thought I had the plot. Mm. And now I don't know. I think the voice... Yes, that's true. (laughs) Lost the plot. Um, I think the voice he hears in the forest is somehow Daphne. Mm. But I like I how every sure. you're like they're all Daphne. And the <laughs> amount that he's meant right. it has to be <laughs> the amount that he's mentioned her, but also wouldn't call her by name. He'll mention mm. Hyacinthus, who yeah. he like literally decapitated yeah. with well, the discus, but he won't talk about his tree girlfriend. Like yeah. something's up. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Good predictions. Good predictions. Thank you. Thank you. Love to see them evolve. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Let's do the lightning bolt questions. This one we got from Jasmine on Instagram. It was like Apollo is the god of a lot of different skills, but most his kids usually get like one, maybe two of his skills. So which ones would you want? I guess if you were a child of Apollo and why? I'm going to look up all of Apollo's skills because I don't remember. So like practically probably healing Hmm. and music okay i see he's the god of music poetry light prophecy and medicine Mm. and medicine yeah so medicine and healing i'm sorry medicine and uh music Mm -hmm. 
Um, if I had to choose only one, I would choose music because I'm not out in the field having to heal people. It's okay. But my not practical would be archery. Like I mm. have no, like if I suddenly became really good at archery, what am I going to do? I can't go Katniss around. I'm going to get arrested. So, and I can't, I'm like way too old to go to the Olympics. So it's going to be, it's going to be, um, it's going to be music. At least I could start my band. Yeah. Music would be really cool. Why do I want to say prophecy? That's <laughs> so you. annoying of me. <laughs> Just like, but if I was like, if that was my skill, like hopefully it wouldn't be like a curse. Like I could, be, I could wield it as I want. You would be so funny at parties. Just like Thank we're you. having a dinner party and just suddenly green like spirit comes out of your <laughs> mouth and you just like prophesize that one of us is not going to like our salads. <laughs> I'll be like, one of you will hate it, but you won't say anything to me. And then while we're eating, I just stare at everyone like, which one of you bitches doesn't like your salad? <laughs> I think it'd be really yeah. fun. I think Thank it'd really you. suit you. Thank you. And the direction so. you're taking your mental health, I think that it would. Have been yeah, I think it'd be really good for me. I think yes. I'd like could quit therapy. <laughs> I would, could prophesize like I don't need therapy anymore. Yeah. <laughs> okay, my other question is, what's the best place to sit on the bus and why? Because Apollo really is like the back of the bus is for the naughty kids. Well, do you remember when we were in middle school, the back of the bus was like for the older kids. So you had yes. to wait to age mm-hmm. to get to the back of the bus. Mm-hmm. And now as an adult, when I ride public buses, I'm like, I want to be as close to the door as possible. Same. Same. Yeah. I think like when I took the bus in middle school, I didn't really take it in high school because I was considered in walking distance in high school, which I would, yeah, like it was walking distance, but I didn't want to get up that early mm-hmm. but anyways I took the bus in middle school and I definitely it was definitely like just by age but as an adult I sit near the door because <laughs> I'm like please I want to get out of this I want yes. to leave nobody and as like a woman in the bus yeah. I would like to have an escape route yep I sit like on the edge so no one can sit next to me unless it's really crowded yeah yeah I love that yeah. Love love public transportation existing in a woman's body. I mean, I love public transport. Not shitting on public transportation. I think yeah, I mean, it's a great... The best. It's Take a great it thing time. that exists. Yes. In this Being world. a woman is rough. Let's just yeah, that's like, the say part. what it is. Yeah. The last time I took... Because, like, I'll take buses into work, but, like, the big commuter buses are fine, but the inner city ones to get up to our work are a little bit just interesting characters. The last time I mm. took it, a man sat next to me. He did not have to. It was not a full bus. And started mm. just talking to me about Jeff Bezos. And I was kind of like, all right. I think that's a very Seattle thing. Yes. Like, anyone who doesn't work at Amazon hates Jeff Bezos in, in Seattle. And so he was just, like, ranting to me. And I was like, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. All right. Don't really need this right now. You're a little close to my face. But <laughs> I agree. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. Oh, man. All right, my question is, you're going to prank Chiron by dressing his legs. What are you going to make him wear? Um, <laughs> the fishnets are a really good one. Mm-hmm. I think I would do, we're going Mamma Mia, the, the sparkly bell bottoms. <gasps> like what That's Pierce so Brosnan, we, Pierce Brosnan was Chiron in the bad mm. film. So this is coming full circle. 
when he had when they have their little like mo- like the credit scene moment where they're all in like full 70s outfits yes i would have him in that and he would look great that is a really good answer like really big dramatic flair with the go-go boots mm. mm-hmm. yeah yeah Ugh, that would be such especially with the twe- like the wool tweed jacket yeah it's a weird look but yeah i think it, he it works do it. yeah yeah I would give him, um, I was thinking like a, like a frock bottom or I'd give him this like a hoop, like one of those like 1800s hoop skirts. Oh, that'd be good. Wear the giant butts. Yes. (laughs) So he's wearing, it it would be like peasant chic because he's wearing the wool cardigan Mm. on top, sweater thing on top, and then he's just got this huge skirt. He wouldn't even have to fold himself into that. He could no. just probably walk in. It looks like what those like really classic ones, they make it look like you got a horse booty under there. So Exactly. You could have anything under there. I wonder why that was the style. Were people like smuggling children in their dresses? <laughs> I think it's just to like provide as much distance as they possibly yeah. can from the woman's actual body and the person standing next to them. If it looked more, if it was like made a more comfortable version of that, I'd wear that. <laughs> like in at concerts, just like you know, nobody get in my space, nobody yeah. block my view right here. Yes, just like stop getting in my face. Basically, like a blow up suit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but just like a lot more layers, so you'll be actively just sweating at the concert. Yeah. But you know, maybe just add on the bottom. To the... <laughs> it's just like wearing like a a pool floaty, like a inner tube. <laughs> Out in public. Yes, out in public. Yeah. That'd be a good look. All right. So next time, we are going to be reading chapters 13 through 16. Again, I have no idea what's going to happen. Probably somehow they're going to start a quest. Mm -hmm. Don't know who they're going to add because they need one more person to make it the famous group of three. If you are interested in supporting us, the link to our Patreons in the episode description, as well as a link to send us an audio message. Uh, thank you to everyone who sent in questions for this book. Please keep sending more. Um, our social media, we have at Camp Half Pod and our emails camphalfpod at gmail.com. Again, if you're going to email, please tag your spoilers for this book. Um, Aaron will take a look at them and I will make sure I avoid. And if you can label what chapter or what book your questions kind of derive from, we can more easily sort them out. Yes, indeed. And don't forget to rate and review wherever you are listening to us. Bye-bye.